Leo. Hi, Patrice. How's <laughs> it going? Oh, I That's hear a dolls. dog. <laughs> so, Patrice, how's Alaska? It's great. I just sold my car to like the first person that looked at it, which is pretty funny. Oh, uh, but you said it's the uh, it's the king of Alaskan cars, right? The Subaru. Yeah, the people that bought it were neighbors, so I gave them a good deal because I I don't know. I'm just not <laughs> not very good at making money. Yeah, well, join the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Why'd you sell it? Uh, I just I bought it for the summer to like take photos with my four by five camera that I had and you know, I just don't really need it. So Wow, that really was a, a short term specialty purpose <laughs> car. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a summer it was a summer love. It was brief. <laughs> How long are you in Alaska for? I'm How... here till next Saturday. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah, I just I had Columbus Day off for Pratt, which is like the most screwed up holiday, but it's like, <laughs> all right, I'll go home. Yeah, uh it when I was, I remember when I was teaching at a bunch of different schools and um, there was, you either got Martin Luther King Day or you got Columbus Day, which, and you think about it, is a, a real political decision. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, like I even called to check that I really had the day off because I was so surprised. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, students ask me all the time because the students you know, always get confused by this too. Uh, uh, and, and I have high school students this year. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. They have school off in their high schools, but we're not off at Mercer. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? Kai just tried calling in. Okay. It didn't work. Hold on. I'm going to try him again. <laughs> Hello. Did it work? Hey, are we all hey, there? Hey, you're all oh. here. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Patrice and I uh, were catching up on Alaska and the, okay. and the selling of her car, which, congratulations, she sold. Oh, wow. But she, right away. But she, yeah. she probably sold it for exactly what she paid for it. I did, because <laughs> I sold it to my neighbors. Uh, so, Kai, what have you been up to? Uh, well, hopefully, as my voice uh, <clears throat> will sound a little bit better than what we recorded on Thursday, so I've been trying to... Uh, get my voice back a little bit from that sore throat yeah so we we were recording tony torinos which is um you know the show coming up yeah. and uh as as the night went on a guy's voice definitely got a uh, scratchier and grungier sounding yeah it was like know. the two pack a day uh, <laughs> <right>. podcast <laughs> <laughs> that would be that's a great but, uh, name for a podcast I come, I, yeah <laughs> I, I had just come back from uh going up to northampton where i installed my show at the Orsman Gallery at Smith College and did an artist talk with uh, Yola Monikoff Stockton's class and um, so back from that yeah so your show's up up hanging now or? yeah up up through the day before Halloween so if anyone's in the Northampton Mass Pioneer Valley area go by and uh, check it out here's a here's a funny story about that Kai borrowed my car Patrice oh yeah and uh, came back and I'm, I was uh, going through, uh, you know, looking for uh, oh, leftover yeah. food from my kids because they eat in the back seat and cleaning out the car. And lo and behold, I found lipstick in the back seat. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As of yet, unidentified owner. Sure. <laughs> really? <laughs> my wife swears so, it's not it sounds, hers. It sounds pretty dicey. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, you know, I also found a wooden hanger. So, oh, that is mine. Okay, good. <laughs> wooden hanger is mine. 
<laughs> that I'll claim. Right. Not the lipstick. <laughs> no one will claim uh, the lipstick. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so I was like a little on, you know, I was a little zinged out on Dayquil when we were recording it, which might explain why <laughs> That's good I to know mistake, now. <laughs> mistake narcolepsy for necrophilia at <laughs> one point right. in the podcast. Oh my God, what is going on here? This is really... <laughs> Close, but right. not the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very close. It's in the same family, <laughs> really. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The eyes are closed to both. Oh, them. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> My God. Uh, on a more serious note, uh, I did want to mention that since I know the the Tom Roma episodes are coming up next uh, after this one, that in the as released today on the website, and I believe in tomorrow's edition of the Sunday New York Times, there's a small, a short article that uh, Tom wrote uh, called "The Man, the Men Rather of the Veil." So if you Google "The Men of the Veil," uh, it's in the exposures section of the New York Times. Uh, they reproduce, I think, five or six of the photographs, and uh, his essay is uh, quite nice and talks about the. Part of the reason why he wound up doing that project in the first place. So yeah, should... yeah, we we've all um, been sharing that tweet. So, it, uh, this if you want to find it really quick, uh, follow any of us on Twitter. Yeah, that's <laughs> at true. Real Photo Show at Kai underscore McBride or just at no, Kai McBride. Just Kai. At Kai McBride, right? And mm-hmm. at Patch Up. Oh, I don't know if you tweeted it yet, Patrice. Oh, I tweeted it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also. Um, on the show's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash real photo show. But but then that that article is you know all about the uh, the show that's that's up and coming. Um, and there's a yeah. book signing on October 29th. That's right. right? At Stephen Kasher Gallery. What's uh? Do we know the address of that offhand? I mean, it's easy Five, to look up. 515 West 26th Street between right. uh, 10th and 11th. And there's a good chance we will all be there. I yeah. Hope so. yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. Yeah, we'll see you soon, Patrice. Uh, have a safe yeah, trip I'll, back. I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> Okie doke. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Take Bye. care. All right, so um, we're here with Tony Chirinos, uh, and you're you're down in Florida right now, yes? That's right, sunny Florida. <laughs> Where do you live down there? Um, I live in Kendall, which is uh, west of Miami. And you're working at Miami-Dade? I yes? am working at Miami-Dade College. Yeah, I've been there for uh, 13 years, right out of graduate school. So that was that's uh, three years longer than I've been at Mercer. Yeah, pretty lucky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you run the photography program? Are you a full ta- full professor? I do run the photography program. Um, there's a couple of campuses, and only two campus have photography. The Wilson campus, which is downtown Miami, and the Kendall campus is where I'm at. It's much bigger than the rest of the other uh, photo program at Miami-Dade. We have about 120 students per semester. Wow, that's great. What do you mean it's, it's bigger? Is it a, a separate degree program? No, it's just separate campuses. 
So we have more student and um, the, the uh, dark rooms are bigger. So we have digital, black and white, and we still have color dark room, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we, I, I had to scrap my color processor uh, years ago only because it, it just didn't get enough use and it was such a bear to maintain. But you know what I've always wondered about your program? Is it considered a community college? It used to be, um, but as soon as they got a couple of bachelorettes program, then now it's called Miami-Dade College. But not all programs are four-year program. Like the art program is a two-year co- program rather than four-year. So it's still an associate's degree. It's still an associate's degree, yes, sir. Okay, good. And where do the where do the majority of the students who go through the program wind up going on after their two years? Well, I'm very proud to say that you guys, uh, New York City, has four of my students right now. So three of them are at uh, Parsons, and one of them is with uh, Stephen Hilger at uh, Pratt. Oh, uh, yeah. And they, they came by and uh, visited us at Columbia at one point, I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we continue to send students all over. We have some at uh, Mass College of Art and other places. Yeah, I remember you uh, You came up with a little entourage uh, at the Panorama show when it was at Columbia. That's right. That's right. Were those the students that were coming to New York or were they just uh, traveling with you at the time? They, 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 were, they were visiting New York at that time, but they got accepted to Parsons, so they're all there now. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think this is their last semester, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So are you are you considered a, a chair or a program director? No, or? I'm just the just a peon, I guess. <laughs> um, um, tenured, so that's kind of nice. Sure. But but you know, I have the responsibility of taking care of, of a whole program. But you know, they don't give me any titles. Okay. Yeah. See, I I'm right. I'm a coordinator. Mm-hmm. I get a, a some a little compensation for that, but it's it's the same thing. I do all the scheduling, the hiring of adjuncts, the training of adjuncts, the rewriting that's, of courses, all the middle state stuff, I mean the yeah. uh, assessment stuff. Yeah, That's right, and, and all the committees that you have to partake in, right? Exactly. Uh, so, Tony, we're happy to have you on, and you're going to be, I believe, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, uh, the last guest for season one before the, I guess you're the penultimate guest for yes. season one. <laughs> Before uh, Thomas Roma with a two-parter that's coming up. And uh, as you know, if you've, you've listened to uh, several of the other podcasts, the theme for season one is this idea of origins and how people got started in photography and that overlapped in a Venn diagram with people who wound up at one point intersecting or studying with uh, Thomas Roma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, so I think it's appropriate to start in and, and ask how you got your start in photography. Oh my God! It was a mistake, a big mistake. Well, that's a um, given, but uh, <laughs> from there, <laughs> um, I actually, uh, you know, started as an art student, and so I was very interested in drawing, uh, pencil, charcoal. And this is when high school or college? And this was in high school, yeah. yeah. And uh, and one of my art teachers saw this uh, in drawing that took me a long time. And that was in ninth grade, and she said, you know, maybe next semester or next year you should take photography. We don't allow ninth graders to take photography, but you can take it in tenth grade. And so I said, sure, you know, why not? And uh, that's where it all started. And it ha- I haven't dropped the camera since. Oh, I've dropped a few, but I kept <laughs> up with photography. But um, so where was that? It was in Homestead Senior High. Homestead uh, got famous after Hurricane Andrew. 
Right. Mm. Yeah. And um, so that's where it was. Uh, my parents left Hialeah, Florida, and moved to Homestead, and so we were there for a long time. Um, so I went to high school, uh, elementary, middle school, and high school in Homestead, and and then um, I actually uh, after that went to Miami Dade Community College as a student. And so that was pretty interesting because when I went back to teach as an adjunct, the my teacher was still teaching there. Oh, nice. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. But that, this must have been a pretty amazing high school, though, to have a, a you know program with a dark room after drawing class. I mean, to let 10th graders go ahead and start with photography. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 It was pretty it was pretty intense. And um, the the teacher who started it all, Susan McGuire, uh, was amazing. And so and she had. She knew a lot of people uh, in town, a lot of artists, a lot of photographers from this Miami. And so we actually had like, they would come by and visit as visiting artists. Yeah, that's incredible. I remember a guy named Bill McGuire, who was her husband at the time. And he's the one that really sparked my interest in photography. He did a lot of uh, night photography with long exposures and all sorts of different baths when he was developing his film. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. And you know, it was just intriguing at that time. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I thought it was pretty cool to be in the dark room and make negatives and, you know, to do the mechanical stuff. So you did, uh, um, you went two years at Miami-Dade as an undergrad? I was in the 10-year program at Miami-Dade. The 10-year? Oh, you started yeah, out. It took me 10 years to finish a 10-year oh. <laughs> program. Oh, okay. I thought there was some, it was uh, something where they started taking uh, students in like junior high or something. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, I don't know if that's 10 years. <laughs> right. I have to count backwards. Yeah. Oh, so. Um, I was in the 10 year program because um, when I started Miami Dade, I, I started as a uh, full scholarship. I had a full ride. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think I was prepared for college. So I actually lost my scholarship. And uh, then I had to go into the workforce. And, and so I got very lucky and I started working in the medical industry and that's where I got started as a medical photographer. So working at the at a two-year college like I work at a two-year college you must see a lot of students like you right now I imagine right because that sounds like the story of so many of my students. Yep yeah I, I do and I and it's really I like it and I love it because I can relate to them and so the, you know when I talk to them and and they see that I came from the same area the same part the same situation then they believe in how i advise them yeah. yeah for that 10 years you were continuing to go back but also you're working you said in the medical industry right i was i was working in the medical industry and so i i started at miami children's hospital um which is the children's hospital here in miami and then i started working at baptist hospital which they con contracted me and i'm the one that started the medical photography program at this other hospital and so during that all that time, I mean, it was it was an intense work. I mean, I, I was working sixty to eighty hours a week. Uh, so during all that time, I was only taking one class per semester. And so how did how did it come to be that they chose you to help start up their medical photography program? Some of the doctors that were working in both uh, hospital um, uh, knew me at Miami Children's, and so they knew my work ethic, and they knew what I was doing, and they knew how. Uh, interested I was in, in the program. So I had, a, I had to write a proposal and wrote down what a medical photography department should be like or should be run like. And, uh, and so uh, there was three people that was chosen at the end. And then at the end, I guess they picked me. So And this plays into your work, right? Because you've got at least two bodies of work that deal with 
Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, after many years, I decided to start using the medical uh, or medical image as my subject matter. And, and so it, it was it was very interesting. Well, I'm I'm familiar with the the morgue project. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was the other project that you were referring well, to? Well, the morgue project was the one that I did at Columbia. So mm-hmm. before that, I did uh, actually did three other projects. One was um, the tools, the surgical oh. tools. Right. Yeah, I've seen those. I did that uh, when I was working at Baptist Hospital, and then I did um, the surgical theater series, which was the operating rooms in black and white, and then I also did. Uh, Kind of like a self-portrait using um, non-conventional imaging. So I did like MRIs and X-rays and three-dimensional MRIs of myself. Yeah. So you got that access allowed you to get into all of that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I was I was getting uh, MRIs done at least once a week, and you know they're worth about a thousand dollars. So yeah, <laughs> I had friends in the MRI department. So every time they had a, a space available. Uh, they would call me down and so, oh, X-ray my, you know, MRI my head or MRI my knee, or that kind of stuff. So nice. And you, uh, you probably also know uh, how you are physically. Yeah, I mean, they did. They did tell me like, if we find something, we're gonna have to tell you. And I said, sure, no problem. But those those bodies of work you started after Columbia or while you were there, just while you were there working. No, I started there, and, and actually, the three body, the three bodies of work, those are the ones that I applied to Columbia with. And now I noticed on your on your CV that it says something about RIT. Uh, yeah. So um, while I was at working for Baptist Hospital, which was a, it's it's still a great organization, um, they used to um, send me out for education, and so. Um, I did a lot with uh, Kodak and the Rochester Institute of Technology because they have a bachelor's degree in medical photography. So every summer they ran a workshop, a week's workshop. Hmm. So I took a tremendous amount of classes there during the summer. Um, lots of fun and, and lots of technical stuff like uh, ultraviolet photography, infrared photography, photomicroscopy, like that kind of stuff. So. And so you would travel and spend the summers, up, or a, a week or yeah. two in the oh, summer. A week or two in the summer, yeah. And and you ended up earning a bachelor's from that program? No, no. There were a lot of credits, but I never earned a, a, a full bachelor's degree there. Uh, so what's the sort of the time difference between being at Miami-Dade, working at the hospital, and uh, uh, getting into Columbia? So um, I think that I finished my bachelor's degree in 1999. And the bachelor's was in what? The bachelor's in fine arts. From where? From FIU, from oh, Florida okay. International that, University. That's the connection I was missing. Yeah. Okay. So I went, I went right. from Miami-Dade to FIU. And then at, uh, after FIU, I applied to uh, Columbia, Yale, Bard, and Mass College of Art. What was that process like? I lost seven pounds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then that's when I learned, do you get a big envelope or a small envelope? Oh, that yeah, that's funny. We had another guest who mentioned yes. that exact same idea. Oh, that was uh, Jared Thorne. Jared Thorne, thank you. Huh? Yes, Jared was mentioning the same thing of getting all those tiny envelopes. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so did, I, you, did you wind up interviewing anywhere else besides Columbia? Yeah, Mass... And uh, Bard, but this is obviously a large change. You're, you know, you're starting off. You're working in the industry. You're making medical photographs, uh, and now, what was the urge to 
take the work in another direction and actually apply to these uh, MFA programs? Um, I, I really wanted to teach. So my interest was to get an MFA, but always come back to Miami. So my interest of being an artist um, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't high. My interest was more about getting an MFA so that I can teach. Was that because the me- the medical side was just what you were getting burned out, or no? Actually, actually not. I mean, I, it's funny that you asked me that because uh, Baptist Hospital told me that whenever I come back, I can get my job back, and so um, I I thought about it. I thought of like, okay, so I get an MFA, I go back, I hmm. you know they'll, they'll pay me a little bit more money. It's really easy for me, you know, very exciting in the sense that um, there was. I mean, I, you you don't see the same thing twice, um, so it was it was challenging photographically to to be able to make a good photograph of what what was in front of you. But um, I think that once I started um, TAing for Tom and for Dana Hoey and for uh, Jeff Rosenheim, uh, it was it was completely a different world. And I said, I'm not going back to that. I, I want to teach. Hmm. Uh, before we get too far. Was there a, a process of elimination uh, with these programs? Uh, how did you choose Columbia? Um, New York City. You know, so, you know, wanted to be, you know, where, where I was at. Did you know the program had a reputation for emphasizing teaching? No, not at all. Um, I knew of Tom Roma's work, and I knew that he built these cameras before I met him. And so, actually, when I... I looked for the specific schools that I wanted to study. I looked for the specific person that I wanted to study with. So I looked for Ape Morel and see where he was teaching or if he was teaching. And then um, Stephen Shore, Larry Fink, Todd Papa George. So those are the people that I you know, knew their work. And so I said, look, well, since I'm going to apply for graduate school, let's see if they teach and where they, where they teach. And so that's why I applied to those programs. How did you know about Tom's cameras? Ed and Mirta Del Valle, who were my teachers at FIU. You're still in touch with them, yes? Yes, yes, yes. We still we still talk. And yeah, they're still teaching. And so they're the one that introduced me to Tom's work. Um, they were the shooting with the Siciliano, weren't they? That's right. That's why they always complained about it. They said... <laughs> It wasn't sharp. That, <laughs> the you know, shots, I remember that. They, yeah. I think they tried a million lenses, didn't they? Right, right, right. <laughs> did did they end up selling those? Or I think I think they returned it back to Tom. And I, you know, I don't know if it's money back guarantee, but uh, mm, well, there's usually a, there's, the, there's the lifetime guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we should explain that's, that. That's that's how I that's how I found out about him making. And and there was other things that I started like investigating, like you know his education and that kind of stuff. So I thought that was pretty interesting to to be able to teach, you know, and not have all of those requirements that people are asking for now. So I I thought that was that was a badass, you know. So why not you know study with a badass? Yeah, well who broke, to go all the rules, you know. Yeah. To go in with that attitude, uh, we mentioned very quickly this idea of the lifetime warranty that you would get from Siciliano Camera Works uh, when Tom sold the camera to you. And uh, the idea was that if you ever had a problem with the camera, anything ever went wrong or something you were dissatisfied with, uh, and you called him up to tell him about it, he would kill you. So that was the lifetime warranty. (laughs) 
He's like, That's I'm great. not a camera repair service. I'm a manufacturer. So just to be clear. So what year did you arrive at Columbia? 2001, September 11th. Oh. Oh, yeah, that was, so you arrived just after I, I graduated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, was, um, what was that experience like being at Columbia during that time? Uh, you know, it, I, I didn't connect with it because I had my own kind of like horror, which was uh, Hurricane Andrew. Mm. And so I understood what New York City was feeling like, but uh, it, it, was, it was weird. It was weird going to school during that time, especially when, when your project is about dead people. So there was a lot of people that didn't want to come into my studio. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it was too raw, huh? Yeah, it was too raw. Yeah, I was on I was on the subway today, and um, this couple sat down next to me. Actually, the woman sat next to me, and the guy was standing, and uh, he's some sort of reporter, and he was talking about pitching ideas to the news this newspaper he was working for, uh, based around September 11th stories, and uh, the thing he wanted to do was sort of a walking tour of lower Manhattan and he was mentioning the Chelsea piers where that were used as a makeshift morgue and how they, you know, were putting right. bodies in the, where the ice skating rink is. And right. yeah, a lot of people have forgotten about that, that, um, between the Brooks brothers and Chelsea piers and all of that was happening. And, and, and you would see those, uh, ambulances go by with, uh, you know, the police escorts and everything. And it was pretty intense at that time as they were pulling things through i can see how people coming into the studio would automatically be reminded of that whereas now i'm you know i wouldn't even right. think of it at all right 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 hmm. and how are you getting access to to morgues when you're up here that was very hard man because um having the medical photography background i thought it was going to be a lot easier especially columbia having such a great hospital columbia hmm. presbyterian um i went to interview with the marketing department and they just rejected me right away. So then luckily I had uh, some doctors that I worked with at Baptist that actually were working. I don't know if they're still working, but they were working at uh, Mount Sinai Medical Center. One of them was Thomas Nadick, who who was in charge of the uh, neuroradiology department. So contacting him, it's sort of like contact him and then he contacted the director of the morgue. And so I had a meeting with them and and so they accepted me, and that's how I got access to the morgue at Mount Sinai Medical Center. How did you uh, pitch this? How did you propose it? I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be in the morgue. And so um, um, I, I had uh, letters of recommendation uh, you know, showing that I was very professional, that I wasn't going to um, show identity or break uh, any type of hospital policies and procedures. So I think that's what got me. Yeah, as soon as they rule out the narcolepsy or, you know, <laughs> things like that, then you get further on. Narcolepsy. Uh, not narcolepsy. What is it? That's <laughs> the wrong one. Sorry. Necrophilia. Necrophilia. That sounds similar. I guess yeah. I dozed off for a second. <laughs> and then uh, that wound up being your thesis project then? That was. And, and then uh, what happened is that in the summertime, I didn't know what um, what to do in, in Miami. So then um, I started traveling to Columbia, and that's when I started doing the, the Fighting Cock series. Okay. And so that that was also part of my thesis. Very small part of it, but it was... It oh, was so you did both. Too. You did both. I did. Oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And yeah. um, now I've seen a book... Actually, I own a small book that... Uh, is the photographs? Can you say the title? It's I know it's R.I.P., but it's the is it the Latin for it? 
it's the Latin version. It's requiesca in pace. Okay. Which and means resting in peace. Exactly. And the this booklet is your the photographs from that series paired with I think an introductory text by Stephen Hilger, right? That's right. It was it was a, a solo exhibition that they gave me at at Miami Dade College. Oh, I mean, nice. So it was it was really nice. And that work, I mean, it's somewhat in a ways it's even less disturbing to me than looking at the surgical theater, where even though it's black and white, you you do have some photographs of you know the clamps pulling apart the flesh, and you know you get this sense that someone's on the table and you know something's happening, whereas the the other project in the morgue it it there's there's like a bondage element to it seeing how everything's being wrapped and you've got somewhere the bodies are being hoisted up and it's, it's it got a very different feel how did how did you speak about that work at the time there's a there's a big reference to my catholic upbringing hmm. so the whole wrapping of the body in white sheet references the 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 white sheet of christ how he was wrapped and and so that's how I took it. Once, once I went to the morgue for the first time at Mount Sinai, and I saw that these bodies were wrapped in in, in these white sheets, then um, that's how the project started. I, I didn't have to deal with identity. I didn't have to deal with race or gender. Um, so you know, death is universal, and so that's that's how I I took it, and then I ran with it that way. I didn't open any bags or anything like that. So. I just left it, and since all the bodies took the shape, or all the white sheets took the shape of the body, so it just made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, no, it works really well. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they do transform. So then the, the cockfighting series had a bit of success as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, much more exciting, um, especially learning when when to leave the, uh, the, the fighting ring, because uh, after a certain amount of time, uh, the people that are engaged in these uh, in, in this uh, subculture, they start getting drunk and they start doing things that uh, that are illegal. So I decided that I learned really quickly to leave around midnight before things got really bad. <laughs> so how did that all start? <laughs> when I saw somebody get killed. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> how did the project start? <laughs> the project the, the project started. Uh, my my dad was a storyteller. He uh, was born in Cuba, and so he didn't read to us, so he would tell us stories after dinner. And a lot of the stories that he told me, I thought were fake. They were uh, very embellished and and unreal, uh, especially all his stories about cockfighting. So when I had the chance to go to a country that was legal to see this, um, I became an observer, and so I became a, a participant uh, for two years before I uh, introduced the camera. Where was that? Uh, Colombia, in an island that's called San Andres, which is closer to Central America than it is to South America. And how did you choose that as the location? You said it's legal there? Yeah, it's legal there, and um, at that time I was married to my first wife, and uh, and so we would go and visit her family who actually had a vacation home there. So we would go visit them during the summer and during Christmas time. And, and so that's how it got started. Is your father still with us? No, he passed away August 1st of this year. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and how about your mother? Yeah, she's still alive. What did she do? Uh, she's a teacher. Oh, in, in uh, public school? Yeah, no, she did uh, preschool. 
She loved little kids. She worked, worked, and then cooked for us and did everything. She was uh, amazing. Did Did your parents uh, meet, get married in Cuba? They met in Venezuela, where I was born, actually. Oh, okay. So oh, I was this born gets in more Venezuela. international. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my parents met in Venezuela, and uh, they had two kids, my older brother and myself. And then we moved to the United States in 1971. Oh, so your, your father had left Cuba by then? Yes, he left Cuba before uh, the Fidel crisis. Oh, before Castro? Before Castro, yeah. Okay. Wait, is that because he... Uh, was it for work, or did he see the writing on the wall? No, he actually uh, left um, Cuba to um, um, fundraise for the movement of uh, Fidel Castro. Right. Uh, I, I, Aníbal and I had this conversation a little bit, too. Uh, I think people forget how popular Fidel was when he came into power. Oh, very popular. And so my, my dad actually decided to go to Venezuela to, to uh, fundraise for the uh, movement. And then, of course, when he found out afterwards what was it's all about, then then he left Cuba again. Did he take that fundraising money with him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> and so, when they arrived in Florida, I mean, there's of course there's that there's a huge you know Cuban diaspora in Florida. Where, did they feel part of that community or? Uh, they did for a very short time. We we went to um, Hialeah, which is the the biggest. Uh, city, I guess, where the most population of Cubans are at. But um, uh, my dad always had a, he had a little farm in Venezuela, and so he, he liked it more country, so they decided to move to um, Homestead, which is very, it was very, very rural at that time. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think that he also did it for us, for his kids. So, so what did he do when he uh, came here? He did everything. My dad had uh, two master's degrees. He was a CPA in Cuba, CPA in, in Venezuela, and then he was actually the CFO for Pepsi-Cola International hmm. in Venezuela. And then he came to the United States, and uh, none of that worked at that time, so he had to make tennis shoes at night and, and make uh, mattresses at night and, wow. and, and work two, three jobs, and he did whatever it needed to be done for us. Yeah, that's a huge change from... CFO of Pepsi yes. in Venezuela, right? Yeah, yeah, big change. So it was through his storytelling that you became interested in in cockfighting, uh-huh. and and when when you went to Colombia to to watch these cockfights, did you talk to him about that? I did, I did. We talked a lot, and so he kept on telling us telling me stories, and so all the stories that he did say and all the stories that he was actually telling me are are true i mean <laughs> it, it, it you know it's like a subculture and it, it doesn't change um so very interesting the way that they train the birds and you know the way that they uh believe it or not the the, the camaraderie and the, the respect that happens inside the ring and you know it, it it's always seemed to be uh, brutal to the outside community and of course uh, my work is always about giving you questions and not giving you my opinion. So if you look at the work, you don't know if it's for it, against it. But, um, you know, ask questions about what, what I'm doing. So how long before you started photographing were you, were you an observer? Two years. Oh, the whole two years. Okay. Two years, yeah. So, yeah, I, I even uh, bought roosters and I actually owned them. And Oh, really? So, you got into it, yeah. Yeah. I owned them down in Colombia. Uh-huh. And then, so I had I had somebody that take care of them and they would train them and feed them and 
so I would send money to them and they would, you know, feed them, train them. And oh, so you were, you were going back and forth and you had someone taking care of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. At, yeah. So at what point did you start photographing? Um, when I felt that uh, I wasn't going to get shot, if my, <laughs> if, my, if my flash would have, like, determined who's going to win or who's going to lose. Oh, yeah. So when I found out that the flash really didn't affect the roosters at all, then that's when I started photographing. Yeah. And uh, the flash is a big part of it. I mean, if you look at those photographs, it's something about the way it renders all the, every feather and, you know, there's a real... The sweat. Yeah, the sweat yeah. and the glistening nature of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's that's when I started, like, talking to Tom. And and so he ha- actually helped me build uh, a bracket. So there's actually three flashes on the camera. And so, you know, looking at his um, Come Sunday pictures and the way that he illuminated the different grounds, the background, the middle ground, the foreground. So those are the things that I was studying at the time. And he helped me a lot with, uh, with organizing my flashes and, and, um, and illuminating the, the object. Yeah, no, they're incredible. I had, so I actually, I have a print of one of those because I don't know you, maybe you gave one to Tom or there was one in the photo office for years. And at one point when we were, um, we were cleaning and shuffling things around. It wound up that I took that home and I have it up in my house. And I look is this is it signed? I'll, I'll go back and sign it. <laughs> I don't know if it is. It's not signed on the front. I have to look on the back when I get home. But it's yeah. it's the one with the roosters like standing on a box, you know, and, and uh-huh, that, uh-huh. that rings a bell. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it I rem- I we Anibo and I did that when we did the uh, uh, when we built the how do you call that. Um, we made like a Santeria oh, uh, yes, church. That, oh, that's a story so, that will never die. <laughs> so that photograph was supposed to be like the dead rooster. You know, you, they're supposed to kill a chicken. And, right. And so that was the that was this All right, chicken. So, so hold on a second. So <laughs> we're talking about uh, Aníbal Peyawu, who was in the, the first episode of the show. Yeah. So what yeah. what was the Santeria <laughs> shrine you were making? Yeah, so we, we made a shrine to uh, to bring good luck and, and good wishes to uh, to Tom for for his entire life. So, but in the immediate um, the immediate effect was not that. <laughs> oh, All right, keep going. So I, I think that Anibo uh, talked to a, a brujero, and then I I talked to somebody here in Miami because it was during the summer and. And so he told us what what to buy and what to put together, and and it was all for goodwill. It wasn't anything. Uh, to to make any harm, it was all for for well, you know, for goodwill. So so we built it all, and then I don't know, something happened with some mices. They ate the the, there the was, candy, the coffee candy, or something. Yes, the coffee candy, and they, they went, went berserk. Crazy. They went <laughs> crazy. So they got all caffeinated and went nuts and destroy. I mean, Tom describes opening up the op- it happened. You did it over winter break or over summer break? I can't recall. Over summer break. Yeah. So he comes back in the fall, opens up the office, and there's like just mayhem and and like you know dead mice and the whole thing. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So we still have we still have the candles and some other things are still in the office. I guess I have the the rooster photo, yeah. but yeah. whenever anyone asks about them, the story comes out. Or whenever anyone tries to put food in any of the trash cans, <laughs> right. the story comes back up. No, no food. <laughs> that was fun, though. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, now uh, tom also plays this uh joe eli song as part of 
photo one, the song Gallo del Cielo. Do you know that yes, song? Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, of course. Yeah, and every time I hear it, I automatically think of your photographs because oh, it thanks. Just, yeah, That's it just great. transports me there thinking of that. We'll put a link, I think, to that song in your sure. page because it's just, it's incredible and it really awesome. takes you into like this mythical life of, you know, the fighting cocks. So yeah, yeah. Um, what happened with those photos? Where'd they go? Because uh, I, I know I've seen them around. I'm actually working on the second version of the book. I, I made a book. I made a book dummy. And uh, um, after looking at it for a year or two, um, I want to change it. And so that's what I'm working on now, trying to trying to pitch it to somebody. And then I also have a couple of people that I've always wanted them to look at it to write an introduction. So let's see if that happens. I don't know. You it know, I mean, you know how hard that is. Yeah, they they did get reproduced though. Uh, was it a, a magazine or an online magazine that they, I saw them in? They've been they've been reproduced in a couple of places. Slate magazine reproduced mm, it, that's and what it was. Uh, and Photo had it as a featured right. portfolio for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've 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 gone to a couple of those um, photo portfolio reviews and. And that's how I got into Photo Eye and uh, and uh, Slate magazine. Hmm. So that's actually an interesting segue. Is I noticed on your website that uh, you act, you do enter a number of these competitions and and try out for those things, and which is something I think you know a lot of the ones that I see they wind up wanting you know like thirty dollars or fifty dollars or something, and it seems mm-hmm. a lot of them seem like. A scam to me like oh they're just they're giving away like a thousand dollars or they're giving away they'll put you on their website but you're generating all this cash if you get you know a thousand photographers to apply for thirty dollars each right right so how do you decide how and why do you decide to apply to these at the beginning of course i think that they stole my money but um afterwards you you get pretty pretty wise about it and then you start looking at who are the people that are really during the show and so, you know, are they really reputable? Do they really know about photography? Do they know the type of photography that I do? Because then you start figuring out, well, you know, this person has no interest in documentary style photography. So then why am I going to apply to something that, you know, you're not even going to be looked at? So you start getting wise about those things. And then you start applying to the ones that you think are your fit. And uh, would PhotoEye, being on that featured portfolio, that's one example. Was there there something else that came out of uh, being in one of those that uh, you got a lot out of? You know, more about contacting, you know, being Mm -hmm. there with other people and, and having contacts with them. I think it's it's really nice to to see that other people are working as hard as you are and you can see that they're still struggling like you are and you know they're putting dummy books together and they're not getting their books published and you know so that's kind of nice because then you feel like yeah you're still working but you know there's people like you just out there. Right. After you left Columbia, did you go straight back to Florida? I did. I went straight back. Did you know you were going to uh apply for teaching at that point? Um you know a before my last semester, the summer of my, well, the summer of my, my last year, I actually came, coming back to Miami, I went to all the different universities and told them that um, I had one year left and that I was coming back and that if they were interested in hiring a good photography professor, that I was available. So I went to FIU, University of Miami, uh, Barry University, Miami-Dade College. I mean, I did all the rounds. And so before I graduated, I had four jobs already. Oh wow! <laughs> for ad for adjunct job, so that was good. So when I when I went back right there and then, I took the summer off and then I started teaching in the fall. 
And then how did the uh, the Miami Day job come about? The full time um, job. So so I was I was teaching at the same place where my Miami Day teacher was there, and so he he was about ready to retire, and so. He told me, look, in two years I'm going to retire. I don't know if I can give you this job because you're probably going to have to apply, but um, I can write you a letter of recommendation, and that's what he did. And there were 60 people that applied for my my position, mm-hmm. so um, so it was nice. It was nice to get it. Yeah, yeah, got lucky. This might be just the the way I think of it, but when I think of Florida. I think of you, and I also think of Ricky, right? Ricky LaBarber. <laughs> Richard, Richard yeah. LaBarber. Yeah, so can you... T- I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys have stories that you still talk about, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Can you talk... <laughs> were you guys in the exact same year, or did you just overlap? No, we, we actually went to the same uh, undergraduate, FIU. And so F- FIU had actually two different campuses, too. They had like a north campus and a south campus. So he was actually at the north campus. I was at the south campus. We never met at FIU. We just knew of each other's work. Oh wow! And we knew and we knew of each other's name, but we never met at FIU. So then, when I applied, I applied first, and and so he was there when I was a second year student. Okay, so you overlapped by that one year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he also followed. He went back to Florida as well. He went back to Florida, and and you know he hasn't had as much luck as I did. I mean, he's still applying to full time positions, and it's pretty hard. I didn't, I didn't think that it was it was that hard, but it is. It's pretty hard to get a full time. Oh, is that what you tell him? I didn't think it was that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, me getting it right away, I, I just I thought, you know, that anybody coming out of graduate school could get a job. But, you know, I hear a couple of people that have been applying for 10 years and still don't get it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you jumped ahead by, of him by two years by going around that first summer when you said announced you'd be out in a year. And he That's had, right. You grabbed up all the jobs. And he hadn't even started grad school yet. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got that from my dad. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And did you get, uh, so camera-wise now, did you get a panorama while you were at Columbia, or did you get that later? And you also, I know, I think you're one of the people who has had the full spectrum. You had a Siciliano Right. I had Siciliano, and you I had, had a panorama, and you do still have uh, a Cyclops. You're one of the six. You have one of the six right. Cyclops cameras. That's right. That's right. So I got both the Siciliano and the panorama while, while I was at Columbia. And do you know who this? Who had the panorama before you? Who'd you uh, buy it from? I think somebody by the name of Preston. Oh, Preston. Does yeah. that sound right? Preston Resigno. Yeah, Preston. Yeah, Preston was the part of the first class at Columbia at the MFA program when Tom started it. Yeah, so and then you started making work with that camera while you were in uh, in grad school or later when you got back to Florida. No, when I when I went back to Florida I started shooting something that's called the Miami River. It's a pretty interesting river that that's in the middle of downtown. Um, and so I started photographing it and I thought that the format is ideal for Miami and Florida since we're so flat. Mm. Yeah. So, so I started doing that, and then I also did a collaborative project with uh, with Ricky, where we photographed the, I think it's the second or or the third biggest freshwater lake in the United States, which is called Lake Okeechobee. Sure. And so we started photographing them. So he did portraits of the people, and I did landscape using the panorama. Nice. So uh, where's that project? I mean, you guys, have you finished it? Or are you still working on no, it? No, we're still working on it. We're still working on it. Yeah, we just wrote an artist statement together, and we put some pictures together. So we're burning CDs and started sending them out. Nice. 
And then, yeah. so, uh, and what about that, those photographs along the river, those are all from the collaborative project or? No, no, that I just did it myself okay. and I haven't done anything with those. It's, it's, it's just, you know, just playing with the format and seeing how it works. When you uh, got the Cyclops camera, did you sell the Siciliano? I sold the Siciliano, yep, a little bit before that. Who did that go to? I don't know. I gave it oh. to Tom. Oh, okay. Do you know Kai? Yeah, I want to say that Yola got it. Yola Monikoff. Oh, okay. And I could be wrong, but I think it's I think it's the one that Yola Monikoff got. But I, so uh, part of the reason I was speaking about the Panorama is to segue into, and this maybe connects up also with Stephen Hilger again is how the first Panorama show came about. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so um, I bought a Panorama and then you know how um, during, uh, I forgot the name of it, but um, Tom always has like some money and then he always tells the graduate student, what do you want to do with the money that I get? And and so Stephen and I decided like, you know what? I mean, Columbia should have a Panorama. Mm-hmm. And so we asked him if there was any other ones that were being sold and and he did find one. And I think that that's the one that's at Columbia now. Oh, amazing. I actually didn't know that story. So you guys pushed to get that as the camera to purchase yeah. with the extra money. Oh, nice. yep. I, I think we've mentioned this earlier, but Stephen Hilger runs the photography program at Pratt. Right. Right. Yeah, he's the chair there. Yeah. yeah. So um, so then I think that right before we graduated, um, Stephen and I just started like talking like, you know, it would be wonderful. We started like finding out like all these people that actually use the panorama and made pictures with it. So we, we started talking about like, you know, God, wouldn't it be nice to like make a show about everybody that's that have used it or that are that are still making work with it? And so we all went on our separate ways, and then I guess we decided we we kept we we keep in touch and we started talking and and so he's the one that really started it all, and it, he was at um, oh in New Orleans back New then. Orleans at that time, yeah, uh, Tulane, Tulane, and so he's the one that started it and. Um, so Tom went to the show. I went to the show. Kai, I don't think you were. No, I didn't make it down to no. either the Florida one or the New Orleans right. one. Yeah, so, I but uh, I did go to New Jersey. You went to Mercer. <laughs> I was one of two people that from the that were in the show that made it to New Jersey. Might have been a little harder to get to. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael. I couldn't make it there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, so that's how it all started, and so you know, it, it just it, it kept going, and um, the Miami show was nice because we had. Uh, uh, a writing in in one of the magazines here, to kind of like newspaper. Um, so it w- it was really nice. It, it got some some write ups. Yeah, I thought you guys did a great job of you know, getting the everyone together and uh, inspiring people to push. Yeah, it was it was tough. Stuff. It was tough, and it was it was nice actually seeing some of the prints that that Tom also has. You know, the Ragabeer Singh print and yeah, of course and, that create those two crazy Lee Friedlanders. Lee Friedlanders, yeah. Poof, that was amazing. You should have seen my students when, because they actually helped me hang the show. And so none of the students wanted to touch the Freelanders, you know? They're, mm. they're afraid of dropping it or. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, drop it. I can take it home. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Don't know what happened yeah. to that one. Yeah. It was a really nice show. I mean, it was packed. It was really packed. And there were a lot, some people went to the Miami show. Um, uh, Jolts went to the Miami show. Yeah, Jolt came to the Mercer show. So we're talking about Jolt Kadar, another former student of, of Tom Roma's. 
Um, he's uh, out west now. Um, he does a lot of um, camera work on uh, movie sets, t- uh, commercials, things like that. But yeah, he, I think he I think he went to every show. No, I don't remember seeing him in New Jersey. He was there. Oh, he. Oh, you know what? No, he, he went came, to the New York City show. And and then he came to the New Jersey show after the opening. He uh, came to visit with me, and uh, and then he um, he actually gave me a print from that show for for putting it together, which is very nice. Yeah, great. Unlike the rest of you, not. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> we we have never figured out if uh, the Giro Pores was done with the uh, with the panorama or not. Yeah, so it wasn't in. I we took it out of the the last show. I mean, the last two shows because right. we weren't sure about that as well. There was there was something that was. I think the aspect ratio looks slightly off or something, right? And and uh, and we never were able to get uh, jo- uh, Joseph Kadolka. I mean, did he ever use the panorama that you know about? Uh. Tom wasn't 100% sure. He said he know he'd seen it, but he wasn't sure if he actually made any work with it. Okay. Yeah, so hard to say. And uh, what are you working on now? I, I was just looking at the website, and uh, I, you know, I, the other thing I would say is that there's definitely a theme of masculinity going through a lot of your work. Would you agree? You better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk, but now the later the later work, this which is in color, which I was a little shocked by, uh, do you want to talk about that because it's it certainly has masculinity, but it's uh, a different take than like I can't imagine the guys in those photographs meeting up with the people that are fighting cocks, right? Right, 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 right. So, so what happened was that um, they asked me to put a digital photography class together. So we had to go through the state um, board and, and get permission to be able to teach a digital photography at Miami Dade. And so I said, you know what, um, I think it's time to try it. And so that's what I did. I, I bought a Canon 5D Mark II. And so I started dabbling in it and I started playing with it. And so that's how those two projects came about. One is called Burning Bush, which are photographs of trees at night where I actually illuminate them by using the flash. And so I'm painting with a flash. And then the other one is the, um, the um, Renaissance Man. Yeah, those are the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. Which are these uh, young men, basically students, ex-students, and um, young kids that just hang out at school. And so, you know, you, you find that they're struggling with their identity where, you know, what, what are they going to be when they leave school or, you know, what kind of... Uh, uh, part are they going to be in this society? What what are they going to contribute to society? So then it, I started to think about something, and so I went into their rooms where they're you know very vulnerable, and I started doing portraits of these these young men, and uh, that's how these two bodies came about. And the look of those rooms, I you know I, we can't tell where they are, but most of them I imagine that on the other side of the door is, you know, a mother making grilled cheese for them or something. Are, do, are they living at home or away from but, home? Most of them are living at home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say 90% of them are still at home, which is, uh, you know, something to, to think about as, as our students, we have a very poor population going to school. And so a lot of them have to work either full time or part time. So, and a lot of them are still living at home in order to make ends meet. And the real sense of identity comes through between the posters, uh, the you know the video games. Uh, there, each room is you know has a lot of uh, even more than 
people that go away to college or whatever and have the college dorm room that has a couple of things. Each one of these is a real uh, reflection that you want to imagine of who these guys are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was trying to capture. Yeah, so we haven't mentioned yet, but um, your website is, is TonyTorinos.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll, we'll link to that as well, and, and so people can see how much of the work is there. Is it all the projects we've just spoken about? No, there's still other stuff, and you know, it, you know what it means to like keep up a web page. So sometimes you know you do something, and then it takes you six months to put it up. So I'm actually started uh, a new project uh, where I'm actually putting images on porcelain. Oh, in what way? Um, black and white images, so they're portraits. Um, it's a process, it's an old uh, Sicilian process uh, where uh, headstones, I think is what they're called, the uh, tombstones. Headstones. Headstones, right. uh, where they have the photograph of the person that's inside the tomb. Hmm. Um, so I'm using the same process, but um, making them less elaborate. They're, they're going to be like 12 by 12 inches, and it's just basically the head. Um, so, so what, what is that process? I mean, I'm, it's not just liquid light or something, I imagine. No, no, no. It's a, it's a transfer. It's sort of like a computer digital transfer. Hmm. And so you, you send an, an image out to somebody that has a printer that has high iron uh, ink. Um, so that the iron in the ink is what actually fires and makes the image. Oh, so it's fired on there when it's done. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, so you, so you have to fire the the porcelain, you have to glaze it, and then you put the the stencil on it, and then you have to refire it, and then it the iron just like kind of melts into the, and then it becomes permanent. So that's the reason why they actually could they could have it outside and it can rain and snow and nothing happens to it because it just becomes part of the of the glazing process. And then what um, you said, uh, the pictures of uh, people's heads, what are the... Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of like, you know, like facing your own mortality. And so the project is going to be called um, exp- ex- Expiration. And so um, I have a collaboration with the person or the sitter that I'm photographing. And so we come up with the date that they're going to expire. Oh, nice. Mm. I just so was, at a, I was at a website yesterday i think that has this it has a you put in your date of birth uh what country you live in and it gives you your expected mortality rate and it even i don't know if it gives you a date but it gives you a year that you Hmm. can imagine and also tells you wild things like at 43 years old i'm older than 69 percent of the rest of the world's population which is kind of crazy and things like that can you send me that web page (laughs) yeah yeah i will so the the person actually writes the the date um Using uh, kind of like a, a glaze uh, pen that mm. that once it gets fired, they you know it has their own handwriting. Right, right. So it's 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 right. The glaze fires a darker a color or something, right? Uh-huh. It, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, one other thing I thought would be interesting to hear uh, from you just uh, heard about you applying for things and also this uh, you know go getter attitude, getting out there, putting your name and and participating in the culture. Mm-hmm. But I, I also noticed on the CV, which I, I wasn't aware of, is that you're you're in at least I don't know seven or eight, nine or ten collections as well. Can you talk right. about the process of how you got into those collections? Well, one of them was um, a portfolio that somebody asked me to be part of, and it happened through Infoco.org. Mm. I don't know if you if you guys know Infoco. No. Um, it's a it's sort of like a minority. 
uh, web page, and so they help uh, minority photographers, um, and so they do a lot of things with uh, Hispanics and and uh, African Americans and uh, Asians, and so um, and so if you go to the web page, they have like photographers that have contributed, and they also publish a magazine called Nueva Luz, which means New Light, and so they contacted me. Um, well, I, I send my work to them, like an open submission, and so they were accepting open submissions, and, and this was nice because they didn't charge you anything, and so they, they liked the, the work, and, and so after many years, they asked me to participate in a portfolio, um, so I printed one of the pictures from um, Rest in Peace, and so they did, uh, I think it was a portfolio of five, and so they, they, um, they actually gave it to a different organization. I think one of them is Lightwork. And, uh, yeah, I saw that was definitely in Lightwork. That's nice. Yeah, so, so that, that's how that happened. And then other photographs I've been able to sell and, and be part of a, a permanent collection. No, oh, that's great. Um, you mentioned uh, your first wife earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't, we don't, you don't need to go into details or things like that, but you, you've had a, a pretty rocky uh, personal life, uh, you know, the last uh, handful of years, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, do you think, do you think that's in part to, you know, living the life of the artist, uh, uh, being a photographer, the kind of schedule and push and pull uh, on you know on your own time uh, did, did that c- contribute to you know the difficulty with maintaining relationships things like well, that well let me tell you the first the, the the project rest in peace started because my first wife almost died mm. and so she had she has a, a disease and so she almost died so then you know it kind of like got me close to you know what what is death and what does it really mean and is it finite or not and so yeah i mean you know you make work about the things that you live and so yeah it's it's all there hmm. uh metaphoric or not it's it's in there it comes out and you have uh kids i have two kids and boy does it really uh it changes the way that you make work and when you make work sure and how you make work. So, uh, Kai, you're very lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that must be. I'm sure Michael understands. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's uh, 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 today, tonight alone oh, yeah. was, uh, was actually a pretty good, pretty good example of, uh, you know, the way uh, things work for me. You know, uh, um, my wife, Cynthia, who, who works, uh, she had to work late tonight. I was down at Mercer County, you know, uh, at work. And so um, we have, you know, we, 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 we had trouble you know, figuring out when to schedule you for this first season. And this was, yeah. this was the only night, right? This was going to be it. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to cancel anything. And uh, so we, I had a uh, soccer, uh, we had to come home, try to eat quickly, pick up the kids basically from uh, aftercare and uh, a friend's house and yeah. get them yeah. ready, go to soccer, get back here, eat quickly. And Kai was coming in, then go get Kai and then, and then set everything up for the show. And sure, yeah. I know. Yeah. Co- co-parenting, uh, if my kids would be here, this wouldn't be happening. 
Right, right. right. <laughs> they would be in the background asking me, Daddy, when can I get some ice cream? I'm kind of waiting for that moment right now. <laughs> My kids are downstairs. Kai, <laughs> 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 yeah. were there other uh, things you wanted to Well, I was just going to ask when you think you might be coming back up to New York next. Unfortunately, I can't go to the book signing. I know that it's in a couple of weeks or a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, well, October 29th is Tom's opening at Stephen Cashin right. Gallery with right. the book release, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not going to be able to go to that, but maybe, maybe soon, maybe soon. I mean, I try to go at least once a year. Um, so, yeah, I was just thinking know. it had been a while since we've seen you. Well, thank you, Tony, for making the time to be uh, on the show. Oh, well, thank you, thank you for asking all these wonderful questions. Yeah, it was great having you. Absolutely. All right, take care. We'll keep in touch. Oh yeah, you too. All okay, right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye, Tony. Bye.